my God, we, we really get into some just unexplainable discussions we're on this just podcast. unstoppable and I'm, with the we're on, exactly and you know what i'm here for it you know who else is here for it no our our <laughs> listeners our i listeners. looked around the room <laughs> yeah who, oh. who else is here yeah yeah where is everybody yeah um welcome to the accelerative thrust podcast everybody uh yeah. i'm dan and i'm eric Oh, God damn. <laughs> the piece of shit glitch. it's gonna do the same shit Uh, okay let's let's try it uh welcome to the accelerative thrust podcast i'm dan and i'm god damn it is it doing a delay again no it's just glitching Mm. all right one last try even if it glitches fuck it all right uh welcome to the accelerative thrust podcast i'm dan and i'm eric all right and uh (laughs) We got a lot to discuss today. Yeah. I think uh, we're going to talk about two records today. Actually, mm-hmm. I don't think. I know. Oh. Um, Love the I comment. apologize. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, I want to take this time to, um, you know, if, if you guys are wondering why uh, we did not have an episode for a week, uh, once again, real life hit. And uh, so... We kind of took a break for a week, so we're back now. So we've actually had this episode planned out for, what, two weeks now, Eric, or something like that? Yeah, for a little while. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, I think the idea so, is sort of, uh, I've been calling it the mutually assured destruction uh, episode, but basically, great- yeah, basically both of us picked a record we think not only will we hate, but the other person will hate too. And then we force ourselves to listen to them and talk about them. That's yeah, and a, the concept. And for, uh, for this is the thing. Uh, we generally, for the most part, I think it's sort of safe to say that our picks are generally a little more on the obscure side, mm-hmm. you know, for the most part. But to get us to pick uh, records from like, more popular bands just get us to pick records that we think we'll hate yeah <laughs> and we'll do it that seems to be how it works but. exactly yeah um i have a lot to say about both picks cool and uh so this is going to be interesting i'm uh we had two weeks to listen to this stuff so um i did not listen uh, to these I, records for two weeks no i didn't either but I, i'm just saying that's a for better or for worse scenario yeah, right we didn't um, get to watch okay, so we, out of our minds we didn't exactly we didn't get a palate cleanser between was, listening to this and recording this for two weeks we just had this <laughs> it was stuff resting in our brain it was just constantly there, man. Yeah, yeah. Constantly there. And and there was no way we were going to run for it. And once we got in it, mm. there was no way we were going to get out. We, we were in it for the long haul for, oh. well, 
two weeks anyway. Yeah. Wow. We made, we honored the commitment, Eric. We sure did. Well, we haven't talked about them yet. So that's, that's nah, actually nah, the nah. final step. <laughs> that's the final step. Don't tell me we listen to this stuff and we're not going to finish the job. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah. There, there's, there's layers to this stuff, layers to all of uh, it. Um, wow. Well, what's going on so, in the world before we get to these fools? Yeah. We were just talking about, you know, Oh, did you find any news? Yeah. Yeah. I found uh, uh, an interesting thing here, actually. So apparently <laughs> an anti now we're, we're going to talk about the two news reports that we kind of discussed earlier, Eric, but uh-huh. I just found this and I think this is great. Oh, snap. Okay. Anti-metal pastor bob larson thinks johnny depp is possessed by pirate demons yeah yeah pirate demons yeah bob larson yeah that's the stuff we're talking about yeah i haven't heard that in a while that's the stuff you really know yeah i do know who bob larson is i'm glad that he found a way to weasel his way back into the mainstream and get some acknowledgement no he used to uh uh have these famously bad interviews with um glenn benton from deicide mm-hmm. yeah 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 they're really I, it good it actually references that yeah oh, everyone should that, listen man. to those they both come off as dipshits but they're really entertaining so wow i'm gonna have to really dig into this but i love evangelists and self-proclaimed exorcists and yeah pastors they're all great great content creators who's the one guy that was um he went to prison like for a little while and he's a he's a pastor he's got this show where he's like selling these like into the world food packs these food buckets like they're just hilarious they're like They'll, they'll, they'll like do like it. these close-ups of like buckets full of like disgusting looking mac and cheese and no. they're sitting there like talking like oh yeah this is the gourmet stuff this is restaurant quality stuff and like some guy will take a shovel like literally a shovel and shovel this like goop and, oh look at that and, like out jim baker jim oh, baker you know who jim baker is? Jim, i do know jim baker i mean jim baker not personally yes. I assume I'll meet him when I get to heaven. Probably. We can have a big bucket of mac and cheese. There's a lot of people that are going to be meeting a lot of people in heaven. And that's Um, why we need all this food. These buckets of food. Catered by Jim Baker. Everyone will be so happy when he gets I mean, there was like one where it was like enchiladas with rice from a bucket. He even had a Mexican family there eating it with... Like, and he was actually wow. like saying stuff like, yeah, this is coming from a real Mexican person. Like, wow. <laughs> like it was they really look crazy. like they come in kitty litter containers. So they, they really do. They yes. should have had real cats eating the food. <laughs> so Bob Larson is also um, a pastor of the Spiritual Freedom Church in Phoenix. Hmm. Yeah, he mentions this thing. He played a huge part in the satanic panic of the 80s, but he became famous for arguing with the stoned Glenn Benton of Deicide. Uh, But his new fear is pirate demons, and according to Larson, they're real. And it's probably the cause of Johnny Depp's recent personal legal troubles. Not Amber Heard or anything. It's not 
It's it's not the accusations that are against him. It's pirate demons. You know, I if I were Johnny Depp and mm-hmm. I <laughs> I would use this, I would be like, listen, I have I have it on good word from an expert that I'm not responsible mm-hmm. for anything I've done because I'm possessed by pirate demons. Pirate demons. Oh, yeah. dude. This like, works gotta to, work. This works to so many advantages for Johnny Depp. Yeah. You know how like angels are uh the spirits of people who lived, right? Mm-hmm. Are demons yeah, the same yeah. thing? And if so, so these are like dead pirates? Well, okay, hold on. I okay. have an explanation for this. Okay, thanks. Ooh. So <laughs> it says right here that in his latest POV rant. Bob makes it clear that pirate demons exist and he's exercised them abroad and that by playing Jack Sparrow in Disney's Pirates of the Caribbean, he invited them into his life. So what it is, is it's actors playing pirates in the spirits of the still living. That's by... (laughs) Is he possessed by evil barbers then as well? Or... Fake ass Robert Smiths with scissors on their hands. Is he possessed by all of these things? <laughs> Robert Smith. <laughs> well, I mean, not to be rude. Uh, so yeah, so there's there's that. Wow. And, uh, well, so what's gonna happen? What does Bob want to do about it? Or is he just letting us know? I think he's just letting us know. I'm. Oh, that's nice of him. Done reading. i mean i think it's i think it's really cool that like bob is warning us about this yeah i mean i i've been warning people about pirate demons for years i'm really glad that a responsible dude is letting everyone know also (laughs) i'm not going to talk about it but daniel red radcliffe is playing weird al yankovic that's pretty sweet it is and and he he looks like he's going to do a great job i've always wondered about weird al I've always, yeah. I've always wanted to know the truth and we're never going to get that out of Weird Al because he is a character. He is really the Andrew WK of the 80s. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's he's uh, we don't get much from him about no. real life or and at, at the same time, I don't really care, but I kind of want to find some shit out, you know, like like dark stuff, you know. Yeah, like if he does have any dark stuff. It's hard yeah. to imagine. Bad Owl Yankee. I think it would be great if that that's what the movie was. It was just like talking about how he was this like big drunk. It's like, super you know, dark. Super <laughs> like, dark. You thought you knew the guy who sang fat. Yeah. It's essentially <laughs> just like that movie, The Machinist, except he has a long curly wig on <laughs> it's just like the christian bale that era batman movie <laughs> exactly like he talks like that, i don't like a care dude. what coolio says <laughs> Freaking- <laughs> the anr guy who's like refuses yeah. to sign him is walking down the street he like picks yeah. him up from the rooftop he's all yeah. like why have you not given me the contract <laughs> we're gonna do this movie it's gonna be called uhf and you're gonna like it damn it <laughs> yeah. We're going to cast famous racist Michael Richards. <laughs> He's not known yet as that, but he will be. Trust me. We're going to make him drink from the fire hose for it. 
this racist isn't even known as Kramer yet. <laughs> Weird Al, you can't just kick everybody out of your band five minutes before you're going to start. Watch me. And then he just like kicks them all like literally out of his room. If I have my accordion, I don't need any other fucking people. <laughs> and uh, Weird Al, if you're, uh, if you're listening, please reveal. Reveal all to us so we can get started. Uh, yeah. Right. yeah. Um, let's get started. Let's get started. So, yeah, we uh, picked a, an album apiece, and I'm actually going to wing it. I, I didn't take any notes because I really didn't oh, have man. to on either. I one probably of these. took the most I've um, ever done. Really? <laughs> That's great. So, the uh, record that I picked was the Red Hot Chili Peppers Unlimited Love. And it just came out on April 1st, 2022. Now, I am going to say that I have not listened to a full Red Hot Chili Peppers album (laughs) since Californication. That was the last one. Um, I tried listening to at least a couple since then, and I have not been able to get myself through all of them. Hmm. I do think, however, that some of the stuff that the Chili Peppers has done post-Californication is pretty good. Um, And I think some of it is just God-awful. So I don't know. I guess what I'm going to do here is I, there's no way I can do a track by track here. Um, I do think that um, this record is really bloated and really long, which is kind of to be expected. The Red Hot Chili Peppers, um, I'm going to start with kind of a history about the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I got to say, pertaining to me, uh, my personal experience with the Red Hot Chili Peppers, I know I've mentioned this to Eric and may have even mentioned it on this show. Um, I credit the Red Hot Chili Peppers in general, and specifically the album Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Um. If you want to blame anybody for why I listen to music the way that I do, um, that is the answer right there. Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Um, it is the transitional album for me that if I had never heard that record, I might still be listening to hair metal. And that I guess there, there were a couple of sort of proto albums like that. Uh, for example, um, and the Anthrax albums Among the Living and Persistence of Time, mm-hmm. I would listen to along with Poison and Warrant and Motley Crue and stuff like that. And whatever um, kid-friendly rap I was listening to, DJ Jazzy, Jeff and the Fresh Prince, Criss mm-hmm. Cross, stuff like that. Um, but around fifth grade, my sister, who is seven years older than me, so we're talking this was about 1991-1992 she got into this band called jane's addiction and then also the red hot chili peppers Mm -hmm. um the first thing i heard from the chili peppers was higher ground Mm -hmm. um which i think is kind of a lot of people's introduction from my generation either that or of course give it away or under the bridge but higher ground was the first thing i heard from them and uh i don't know something clicked with me when I heard uh, some songs that were not on the radio off of Blood Sugar Sex Magic. And uh, I actually stole the tape from my sister. Hmm. Also, I was 
listening to things like Faith No More, The Real Thing by this time and Ugly Kid Joe, as ugly as they want to be, things like that. But the Chili Peppers made me really want to kind of, I guess, explore other styles of music besides just metal. Whereas I can't really credit Anthrax or even Faith No More at that time for wanting me to kind of get out of the genre of metal, because that's essentially what those bands, that's what they were affiliated with heavily at that time, you know? Um, the Chili Peppers were just something I had never heard before at that time. So yeah, Blood Sugar Sex Magic, um, I still consider it a classic record. It's still my favorite record from the Chili Peppers. I don't really listen to it that much these days, but it definitely was a very important album to me. And uh, same with One Hot Minute. And uh, I would say even like pretty much the first, I don't know, I, I would say even Uplift Mofo Party Plan and Mother's Milk, you know, mm -hmm. they became really big albums to me as well. But Blood Sugar, Sugar Sex Magic is it. Something about where the Chili Peppers have ended up now, it's, I kind of struggle with both absolutely hating it, but also I do have kind of this sort of respect for it because while I do think that most of the songs on this record are boring, I still can say that whatever it is the Chili Peppers are doing are really good at what it is they do, which is kind of this, I don't know, like it's, it's pop music. It's mm -hmm. definitely like mainstream music, but it still exists in their own world. Um, if that makes any sense, mm -hmm. you can still definitely tell that it's chili peppers. And that's, I mean, honestly, that's something that I got to give credit where credit is due. Um, so, yeah, I mean, overall, I would say that this record for me would be like a, I don't know, if you're doing like a scale from, I don't know, let's just say one to five, one being the worst, five being the best, I would put this at pretty much a two overall. Like I said, it really drags on, and uh, I did struggle with trying to get through the whole thing. Uh, that being said, though, um, I will say that I really enjoyed a couple songs. Uh, one in particular is Aquatic Mouth Dance. I really like the horns that were added into it. Um, and to be honest with you, I know that there are a couple of other songs that I kind of thought, okay, this is pretty good, uh, but I can't really think of it right off the bat. But I know Aquatic Mouth Dance, that's track number three. That's one that I really enjoyed. The opening track, which is also the first single, Black Summer, is horrible in my opinion. I'm mm -hmm. sorry. I think that it also showcases something that maybe I didn't really realize until now. And that is Anthony Kiedis really isn't that great of a vocalist. However, he does fit whatever it is they do very well at mm -hmm. the same time. The music is really good. Regardless of what I think of the album, I will say that Flea, is still an excellent bass player. You can definitely mm -hmm. tell John Frusciante, great guitar player. But yeah, overall, I would just say that this album is just not, it doesn't do it for me. And I don't have to listen to it again. And thank <laughs> God for that. Uh, what did you think, Eric? <laughs> well, since we're doing uh, Chili Pepper histories, I'll tell you my, 
I I would say that uh, the Chili Peppers also were an impactful band in my life, for real. Mm. I first saw the Chili Peppers in 1986 in a movie called Thrashin'. Uh, my friend Rusty and I watched it nonstop. That in the movie Rad, which was about BMXers. Thrashing was about skateboarding. And there's a scene in it at a club. And they have this thing called the Thrash Bash. And I don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. But the announcer says, uh, okay, and here's the Thrash Bash. And you can barely audibly hear him say Red Hot Chili Peppers after that. But I literally thought the name of the band was the Thrash Bash. <laughs> so that's how <laughs> stupid I was. Um, and they play a song called Black Eyed Blonde, which is really almost non-musical. Mm. Right. And I, I feel that way about some of the early Chili Pepper stuff, like especially yeah. just the self-titled. By the time they got to Freaky Styley, I think they were adding a lot more in and they were exploring sort of uh, the funk that led to what they do mm-hmm. um which I, I think is great uh anyway so the beginning of my experience with them i have the wrong band name completely and i have only heard one song <laughs> so that's not great um but not long after that actually probably a couple of years um i was watching mtv weekend rock and they did a little uh spotlight on the red hot chili peppers and it's really good if you can see the footage. Like they're so, they're just little babies and they're so cute and they have no, they have no sense of what they're going to become. Like they yeah. just, this is all for fun. And it Flea, was. Flea, uh, you know? On a side note, Flea looked really odd when he was younger. Like, yeah, yeah. He's he, in one of my other favorite movies from when I was a kid called Suburbia. Yep, uh, Suburbia, and, yep. And Dudes, both of those are directed by Penelope Spheris, who made the. Mm-hmm decline movies but yeah so then i'm like oh shit that's the red hot chili peppers that's the band from thrashing like that's how shit used to work before the internet like Mm -hmm. you would just see something and be like dang i wish i had a way to know more about that Mm -hmm. and you just wouldn't until something else came along or somebody else mentioned it and you're like oh shit that's that thing so that was kind of my introduction and so i would say that would put me at sort of like uplift mofo party plan might've been the first thing I heard. Sure. Um, and especially like, uh, yeah. Fight like a brave. I just think that's, amazing. that's such a great song. Um, yeah, but it was definitely uh, mother's milk for me was the album mm-hmm. where I was like, Oh shit, this is a cool, amazing band. And they are doing something totally different than the other stuff I've heard, except maybe Jane's addiction. Right. So, Um, I hold them in very high regards. I liked the funk stuff. I liked when they sort of moved away from that a little bit with Mother's Milk and Blood Sugar. I mean, there's still funk, obviously. Sure, sure. But it's not just that straight funk. Like, first record, I mean, it's just nonstop. It's not like you get to chill out and go, wow, they're actually really good musicians. Anyway, so I love them. And uh, I started to sort of fall out of favor or they fell out of favor with me at one hot minute, which I think happens with most people, Mm -hmm. but then also Californication. I didn't, I didn't get into, I just Mm -hmm. thought it was too much. Like you just made a whole record of under the bridges. That's kind of how it felt. And I know Um, that's inaccurate, but well, actually, I think that's (laughs) actually, 
honestly, I think that's a fair description. Um, and, and in a way, uh, sorry to interrupt, not at all, but I, I just wanted to interject here. I think that's actually a pretty fair description because that yeah. is essentially kind of what they, the direction they've gone in yeah. general these days. But I think in my personal opinion, Californication is the only album that that worked with. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I wasn't that into Californication, but by the way, I really enjoyed like mm-hmm. a lot. I liked I felt like they were influenced by different things like yeah the velvet underground or um absolutely elvis costello even uh, a lot of interesting stuff happens stadium arcadium everyone told me to listen to i didn't i'm with you i didn't hear that much the getaway i don't even know i don't even know yeah, i don't even here. know if i met someone who has listened to that in my life um yeah but anyway back to what we're talking about which was unlimited love sure um I thought it was just amazingly boring. Yeah. I, I mean, I just thought it was again, kind of like Californication where I felt like they just made a whole record of under the bridges. I feel like mm-hmm. this is sort of like just a whole record of scar tissues. Yeah. You know, and they try some stuff and every once in a while it is kind of good and kind of cool, mm-hmm. but most of the time it's just like, Holy shit, this is boring. And yeah. It's almost like it was made. It was made for people that identify as Red Hot Chili Peppers fans, mm-hmm. which is a big deal. I think it mm-hmm. it's a it's a demographic at this point almost. Mm-hmm. But I think it was sort of made to be put on in the background and ignored. Yeah. And- for as long as possible. Yeah. Like so long that you don't have to think about it. It's like, Hey man, it's Friday night. Just got off work. I'm going to slam some beers or whatever, put on some music. (laughs) I don't want to think about anything for over a fucking hour. Right. Right. And like just something in the background that if I do notice it, I can be like, Oh man, fleas fucking cool. You know, like, like it doesn't really serve any musical purpose is how it felt. I want to take a moment here to say when we came up with this idea, I liked the fact that we picked people that I considered to be bulletproof and you'll see yeah. who, the next pick. You'll be like, yeah, sure. Bulletproof. But sure. I also realized I didn't just want to lay into people because sure. that'd be so easy. Sure. Like, and part of me felt like sort of like the floodgates opened because we're usually super nice about our reviews. I sure. Feel- like we try to find the good in things. And this one was, this episode is predicated on the idea that this stuff sucks. already, yeah. And so that made it almost too easy. It was like, well, this guy sucks and that thing sucks. And, but I mean, the fact of the matter is they, they wrote it, they recorded it, they put it out, which is a hell of a lot more than I usually do or have done in a while. Right. So I can't be too down on it, but exactly. This could have been half as long and it would have been a kind of good record if they had picked the right songs. I'd say there's easily 10 songs on this that are good that you would be like, wow, the chili peppers are really trying some shit out. But in the midst of 17 songs that all sound exactly alike. And like you said, they're all really good uh, musicians. Like, Mm -hmm. Flea is an amazing bass player, like yeah. really. And I'm not talking about his technique. I'm talking about his ear, the melodies that he plays against like the vocal melody and what's happening in the song. It, it's truly 
amazing. I think that mm-hmm. he's a hell of a musician. And, and I think for Shante too, yeah, man. I think for Shante's cool. I think that he's a little stuck maybe on this Hendrix yeah. sound, but yeah. whatever. I mean, that's kind of his sound now. So it's, yeah. you know, they, he has to do it. But yeah, overall, I just think it was really boring. And I think it was made for people that identify as Chili Peppers fans, but really have no interest in the music part of that. Right. Right. That sounds shitty to say, but I really think it's true. It's like, no, I think, I think let's I put think this on in the garage fair. while we work on something mm-hmm. and not think about it, you know? Yeah. Um, some of the songs do get sort of cool, but, and this is something that I'll mention about the next pick too. They're all kind of tacked on at the end. And if you have made it through the first 48 minutes of this, then it's kind of too late. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. You're not at the end going to be like, oh, wow. Yeah. They saved the best for last. You'll be like, well, why didn't you start yeah. with this? Overall though, I would say that I'm not going to listen to this again. Sure. Um, And that's just because I was just bored by it. Um, I don't know. I feel like, yeah, it's funny how similar the, the picks we made are because yeah. I'm going to talk about sort of the same shit with my pick. So mm-hmm. um, overall, super boring i don't think they are trying to to break new ground i think they're purposely trying not to exactly that's terrible that's as bad as it gets i also have to throw out there that i i kind of think how it went down with josh klinghoffer leaving the band Mm -hmm. is pretty shitty personally well he played with them for like i don't even know 10 15 years a dozen years sure and then John Frusciante wanted to come back and they said, sorry, Josh, you're out of the band. John wants to come back. Wait, hold on. 10, 15 years? Yeah, a long ass time. Really? From tw- 2009 to 2019. So 10 years, yeah. Yeah. And they and just kind of said John. Yeah. They're just like, Josh, sorry, John wants to come back. So you're done. <sighs> Whatever. I know they're friends with John Frusciante and maybe they weren't, they didn't consider themselves friends with him. And they might've also, they might've also made it clear to Josh sure. that, that this Hey, is a temp thing. that this might be a temporary thing. If, jo- if John gets himself clean, he might be back in the band. You know what I mean? Right. Like maybe, yeah. maybe that happened. Maybe it didn't. I don't yeah. know. It, yeah. It, and that's their business, but it, I don't know. Just a side note. It, I was kind of like, dang. Yeah. You know, Thanks for putting the time in, but you're out. So thank you, Jason Newstead. Yeah, right. Exactly. Speaking of Jason Newstead. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Jason Newstead, did he play on that on this record? Okay. No, I might as no. well introduce the record here. Okay. It is called Lulu. And it is a famously bad album. Mm-hmm. Um, it was made by Lou Reed and Metallica. I adore Lou Reed. I'm not going to go into my history with the with Lou Reed or Metallica because I feel it's been covered on this show probably at some point before. But yeah, this record, okay, the way I understand it is Lou and Metallica um, met. Uh, they played a show together. They had a good time. They said, hey, we should do something together like musicians always do. But they actually did it. Um, so... Uh, basically Lou had written some spoken word type pieces, uh, sort of like a play or, or something like that. It was something intellectual that was above my head. And 
this record didn't inspire me to actually look into it. So right, that's the truth of the matter. Um, right. I wasn't. It, was it a play that Lou Reed wrote or something? Like yeah, that? that he was working okay. on. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how to feel about this record. I the first song comes on and it is trash. It's like every bad decision that could have happened did happen. I don't. Yeah, I don't even know where to start with this. So. In my opinion, this should have been a slam dunk. It really should have been. Metallica does what they do, and they do it well. There's varying opinions about that, you know, when they became not good at what they do, <laughs> whatever. Mm -hmm. But they honestly could have just played some instrumental thrash under Lou Reed doing spoken word, and it would have been sick. It really would have. There's a song on here called Mistress Dread, which is about the best example of what that could have sounded like. Mm -hmm. It's pretty cool. Like mm -hmm. I would have been into it. It's easy to go. That's Metallica and that's Lou Reed. And it sounds pretty good. And I get it. Awesome. The problem that I had with this though, is that Metallica there, they can't do this kind of stuff. Like they're too, they're too Metallica for what they're trying to, pull off here and what i mean is this is like a spoken word record it has a certain element of calmness that has to come with that and metallica just can't really reach it like every drum hit is lars beating the fuck out of his drum set every time every snare is i mean it's just a, a crazy Every guitar is distorted and screaming thrash stuff, and that's fine. But even James's vocals, when he's trying to sound experimental or uh, interesting or artistic, it's still, you know, it's like, why are you doing that? I don't know. Metallica is really great at the one thing, and it seems like they went out of their way to avoid doing that one thing that they do really well. And because of that, they kind of, it could have just been any boring ass hard rock band behind Lou Reed. Lou Reed could have just got session players as far as I'm concerned. I just feel like Metallica's imposter syndrome should have kicked in and they should have been like, you know, I don't actually know if we have the chops for this. Uh, they're great musicians at what they do, but I just don't think it really transfers to this kind of thing. Um, Lou's performance, I think, is fine. I think we've been listening to him talk about um, uncomfortable things and do it in a spoken word, half sing, half singing, half talking sort of way. Uh, we've been listening to him do that since like Street Hassle which is really what Lou's performance is very much like, like the track Street Hassle from Street Hassle. But yeah, James's voice does not work with that and he shouldn't be singing along with Lou. I think for me, that was the most cringeworthy part of the whole record is when, I don't even want to say they tried to sing together, when James tried to sing with Lou. Um, again, the biggest issue I had with this though is the length. It was just, outrageously long yeah no an hour and 27 minutes yeah it's 87 minutes and five seconds long which is psychotic that is um, very psychotic but 
I, it, it is considered a double album though to be kind oh, okay. of fair okay well I, yeah I, okay so again though my big problem is they could have cut this down they could have concentrated on the things that were working mm-hmm. um and they could have had a cool record and it's weird the way that it's done because it's almost like they knew that mm-hmm. it's almost like they made the first part of this the first half I guess, since it's a double record, the first half they made thinking we got to sell some records. We got to have, this is going to get on the radio. We got to, you know, make stuff that's accessible and good and sounds like Metallica and has James singing on it a lot and stuff. That part did not do a single thing for me. Starting with the song cheat on me, uh, which comes in at at 11 and a half minutes we start to get really experimental actually. And like I said, sometimes Metallica doesn't have the chops to pull off that experimentation, but sometimes they do and it gets real weird. And it, I can see why people are like, this sucks. But for me, that suckiness at least was taking some chances. Like at least they were like, Hey, this is kind of fucked up. We're Metallica and we're making a record with Lou Reed. Like, let's get weird but that doesn't kick in for the first 45 minutes, you know? Mm -hmm. And so if they would have cut this in half, done a four or five song release, it would still would have come in in an hour uh, probably, but it would have solidified kind of what I think they, their intentions were from the beginning. I think they got sidetracked by thinking, wow, people might really like this and think it's good. We should explore that idea and and follow through with trying to make a good record which i think they should have just made a weird record you know it would have done more for me anyway i would have been like yeah that's a cool way to go guys you know and i could have got into that but instead i feel like they tried to tried to have a popular album too and that just wasn't going to happen so anyway that's my rant what do you think dan (laughs) well I don't have a history with Lou Reed. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of talked about that a couple um, couple episodes back, and you almost slipped my throat over. That can't be true. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm in a whole nother city. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. But I think you were trying to come through the speakers to strangle me. At least I don't. I'm not. <sighs> I, what I said, I think, was something to the effect of I'm just not really into the Velvet Underground. Mm-hmm. That does not mean that I don't like the Velvet Underground. That just means that I'm not, I don't know enough about them to mm-hmm. have an opinion. And so I actually did kind of listen to a little bit of Velvet Underground and Nico in mm-hmm. preparation for listening to this again, because I've already heard this album oh, okay. years ago when it first mm-hmm. came out. I just didn't remember a thing about it. I do want to something kind of crazy. Both Dale Crover and Buzz Osborne Mm -hmm. have both stated this is the best uh, album Metallica has ever made. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is insane to me. (laughs) Yeah. um, It also kind of makes sense a little bit considering who the Melvins are in a, in a weird sort of way. It doesn't surprise me that much either at the same time. Mm -hmm. So anyway, Here's the thing. As far as Metallica goes, I am sort of 
I can't even say the minority, but when you were talking about there's different opinions as to when Metallica became bad or whatever. <laughs> right. I don't really think Metallica ever became bad. I just think mm -hmm. that they made some really, really bad albums. Mm -hmm. In particular, St. Anger, in my opinion, is just unforgivable, save for a couple of songs. Mm -hmm. I am actually a defender of Load and Reload if mm. they were one album. <laughs> oh, gotcha. If they were one album, I think that it would have been a really... And I, and I still think that some of the songs on that are actually really killer. Um, and I may get crucified for that. I don't know. Do you mean edited down to one or combined? Because it looks like. No, um, edited down to one. Because what I, I think is right. I think that some of like load, the first load, I like way better than I like reload. Mm -hmm. To me, reload sounded like a couple of really good songs, but a bunch of filler. Mm -hmm. and leftovers from load and it became very obvious to me and this is just an opinion that that's what that was mm -hmm. um i think they could have uh taken the best songs from both albums and made it one album mm -hmm. and it would have been fantastic and it and i still think cool. load is a really good heavy rock record mm -hmm. i defend those albums all the time because I don't think those are nearly as bad as a lot of people shit on them for. Mm -hmm. However, St. Anger is every bit as bad as <laughs> everyone says. Uh, that one I, I, I do think is unforgivable. Um, and then, I don't know, the stuff they've come out with recently is okay. But I mean, at the end of the day, the first four albums is always going to be my favorite stuff. Mm -hmm. um, sure. I've recently uh, became very very into kill them all mm -hmm. like kill them all is maybe my new favorite metallica album actually it's pretty cool i love it it's but i don't know it's either that or ride the lightning or master of puppets sure. i don't know i think james's <laughs> james's voice on kill them all is uh amazing it is it's absolutely incredible yeah. you can tell that they were so young and yeah. so angry and it comes like, through like it feels like punk rock it uh, really does and that's I amazing mean, and you can tell that they, they were into everything from Discharge to uh, the Misfits and Venom. Mm -hmm. You know, all that stuff comes through at that time. But anyway, aside from all that, despite the fact that I am not too familiar with Velvet Underground and Lou Reed, mm -hmm. I've always had tremendous respect for the man. Um, I know he came out with the metal machine music. Mm -hmm. um, and I... The album Transformer is actually mm -hmm. the most that I know from him. And I do really like that album. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a fantastic record. So I've always had tremendous respect for Lou Reed. I agree with you on what you said, that this should have totally been an amazing record. Mm -hmm. And I think this is my view of it. It's a little bit different than yours, Eric. Mm -hmm. I actually, when I was listening to the first... I don't know, up until Iced Honey, the, the first five songs, mm -hmm. my view was kind of like, okay, so this isn't necessarily the greatest thing I've heard, mm -hmm. but I don't see why everybody is, I don't see, I don't see how it's so bad. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I actually think that this is kind of cool. You mentioned Mistress Dread. Mm -hmm. um, I was like, this is actually pretty damn cool. Yeah. Like, I really enjoy this. This almost sounds like 
it's almost getting territory that almost sounds like a, a more mainstream version of what the Melvins did with like their um, collaboration with Lustmord, only mm-hmm. not as noisy, just, you know what I mean? Like you can definitely tell that better production and whatever, or just different production. I shouldn't say better because the Melvin's production is amazing too. But anyway, I, you know, like the view I thought was kind of a cool song. Brandenburg Gate, the opening track. Um, I don't think it was as trash as, as you, as you <laughs> thought, Eric, but I, yeah. I, I definitely don't think it was one of the strongest tracks. I do think that James Hetfield's odd vocals on that. Yeah was just like, that's what killed it for me. Right, for me too. Um, It wouldn't be trash without those vocals. Exactly, like, uh, small town girl, or whatever it is that he's saying, I don't know. (laughs) Sorry to interrupt, yeah. The funny thing is, Lou Lou Reed's voice, when he does a hard voice, sounds Mm -hmm. just like that anyway. Yeah, it really does. Like, there's moments in this records where, in this record, where I'm like, I actually don't know if that's Lou Reed or James Hetfield. Yeah. And that's kind of fucked up. I almost think that James Hetfield was on that song. It almost sounded like he was trying to be a metal version of Bruce Springsteen or something. (laughs) Like it was just really like, what are you doing here? Mm -hmm. But I thought the view pumping blood, mistress dread, iced honey, those were all kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. Then all of a sudden, like you said, it takes a turn and becomes a very, very weird. Mm -hmm. And like to the point where they're kind of, yeah, like like I see what you what you were saying about it, Eric. They're trying to get something kind of experimental out of it, but it just never quite gets there. Right. Um, and I think part of that, and actually a big portion of it, is because of the length of the songs. Mm-hmm. By the time you get done with the first like six minutes of the 19-minute song Junior Dad, the mm-hmm. last one. You're just like, when is this going to be over? Like for real. And it's really like, we've listened to some really challenging music Mm -hmm. and lengthy music on this podcast before Eric. Yeah. And so 19 minutes and 30 seconds, it really isn't the length shouldn't be a big deal, but with this, it really was even more so with the chili peppers. Uh, Well, not even more so, but also with the chili peppers album. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, that's, those are issues with both of the picks today. For sure. I think my overall consensus with this album is I don't think it's as bad as a lot of like my friends have said that it is, yeah. mm-hmm. but it's weird though. I, I can honestly say with confidence, I will never listen to that Chili Peppers <laughs> album again. Right. I might put this one on like in mm-hmm. a year just out of curiosity purposes. Right. Yeah. I just feel to, the same way. Just kind of, just kind of like, okay, is there something I'm missing here? Because right. regardless of the fact that it's not the slam dunk that it should be, I do think that it's still an interesting risky move for Metallica to do something like this. Mm-hmm. You, you, you'll never see Slayer do this. You'll never right. see Megadeth do this and you'll never see Anthrax do this. Right. And so out of the big four, I got to say that because of this album alone, Metallica might be the most experimental of the big four. Sure. And, and that's yeah. really interesting to me. And, and that's, that's the thing that I came away from this episode thinking was the Lulu album. There's a lot of misses. There's a lot of missed opportunity. There's mm-hmm. a lot of things that just straight up 
didn't work. And with all the people involved, they should have known it wasn't working. Absolutely. It was a little forced, but it is, at least they tried some weird shit. At least they tried something new. At least they had a strange idea and followed through with it. Yep. Regardless of if it was going to be popular or hated or affect their legacy, which I think it probably has to an extent, but at least it's not boring. The Chili Uh Peppers, as far as I could tell with Unlimited Love, tried not to take it. (laughs) Yeah. Like went out of their way to remove any risk. Yep. And so, yeah, maybe the Chili Peppers record is more accessible, but it's pointless. Yeah. The Lou Reed one and Metallica at least makes you go, what were they thinking? I yep. must be missing something. I'm going to listen to this again. It it makes you, it causes a reaction. The other thing about it too is, is that at the end of the day, it's almost like the, the Lulu album is more effective because you can yeah. guarantee that if the Chili Peppers ever decide to put out another album in another eight years or whatever, everyone's going to be like, oh, I didn't even know they were still a band. Oh, right. I didn't even know. But with Lulu... I guarantee that somewhere down the line, if there hasn't been already, there's going to be like articles where it's like revisiting Lulu. Oh, uh, hell yeah. Interesting yeah. because what this album, it, it, it keeps us talking. Like, yeah. you know, here we are, here we are. I don't know. When did this come out? Like, let me. Well, I could, 11 years ago. Yeah. 11 years ago. And here yeah. we are, we're still picking it. Right. Like as like an album that, Oh yeah, this is probably going to be an album that we absolutely right. hate. You know what I mean? And I, I honestly, I don't think either of us, it, from what I heard you say and what I meant to say, I don't think either of us walked away from this being like, that's pointless bullshit. Yeah, no, not at all. I actually think it's yeah. a very effective album. I think honestly, if you want to know the truth, if Metallica and Lou Reed were looking to somewhat puzzle people, I mean, mm-hmm. mission accomplished. Yeah, for sure. And, and yeah, I wish they would have just mixed up the tracks. I wish it wasn't too. half and half. Cause I think that would have been way more effective. Personally. Yeah. I think, I think this album could have benefited from not being a double album. And yeah, I think, right. I think some of the tracks could have benefited from not being as long as they were sure. maybe half the length. Yeah. I mean, if they really wanted to make an impact and I know this wasn't the, the style in 2011, but this should have been a four or five song EP. You know? Absolutely. And if one of those songs is 10 to 20 minutes long, like that's okay. It would have sure. really confused people. And they would have been like, why did they, why did they do this? You know, sure. instead, instead of why did they do this? Which is kind of the reaction. That, yeah. yeah. Well, do we have any shows? Oh shit. The shows. Let's take a look. I forgot all about it. Let's see. What month is it now? It is May. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the first show is Wednesday, the 11th. It is at the gas lamp. Um, It's Hans Gruber and the Die Hards. I don't know them, but fun name. Mm -hmm. America Chur, Big B Woods, and More Cheese. That's the 11th at the gas lamp. The 13th, we have at Gabe's Oasis, Noel Stolp, who is in Rational Anthem, if you're familiar with them, Will Hancock and Chris Anders. Um, 
I think this is going to be more of like a um, kind of singer songwriter acoustic kind of thing. It's a earlier show at seven. That's Friday. Then we have at the raccoon motel uh, Friday, the 13th again, the central everlasting light and house of animals. And then we have a kind of a banger here in Iowa city. Um, It's the first real show that they're going to put on at the new PS one location, which is a mansion, big old mansion. It's going to be shroud. They're from Springfield, Illinois, hardcore public opinion from Colorado. Uh, bovinophobic bile puddle um i don't know i i'm sure i did not say that right um it says local city high punkers cool so that's cool and then pest house which is a new iowa city hardcore like real brutal hardcore kind of like throwdown stuff i believe was the description that dolly gave me i think dolly and uh, from Psyop and Joe from Dryad are in that. Um, so okay. that should be cool. Saturday the 14th at Gabe's Oasis, we have the Good Habits release, mm. record release show for Full Grown, which we actually reviewed on this podcast. So it's going to be the release for that. It's going to be with Younger, who are very cool. And I believe Jeff Mannix from Good Habits, I believe his sister Sarah plays in Younger. So that's oh, okay. Um, Maze is also going to play. Um, so that should be a super fun show. Uh, that's really all I have before the next okay. show is going to come out, but that is still some really cool stuff. So, yeah, that sounds uh, really cool. The Central is yeah. an amazing band. Oh, yeah, awesome. they are. I don't, I don't know if you've ever Mm-mm. dug into them at all, Eric. No, I haven't, but um, sounds like all that, all that stuff is going to be really awesome. So, um, yeah. Pest, you say Pest House? Pest House. That's yeah. uh, that's a new band with Dolly and uh, members from Dryad, huh? Yeah, yeah. I don't cool. know who else is in it, but yeah, Dolly's description of it was that it was going to be sort of classic, like real moshy shit. So cool. I, I haven't seen anything like that in a while, so we'll see. Um, cool. Well, if it's uh, yeah. anything like the moshy, moshy shit that I like. Uh, yeah. Then it'll be like Limp Biscuit. Oh, uh, you know, I don't know for sure. Maybe <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not. I'm not even into Limp Biscuit. I'm gonna say probably not, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Only no, one I, way I, to I, find I, out. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. You might be going to. Uh, you might be hearing Dolly rap. Uh, hmm, maybe I've never. <laughs> that's one thing I've never heard. So that's exciting. Yeah. No. Um. Yeah, I, I really doubt that's going to be the situation, yeah, but not. you know, there's only one way to find out. Go to the damn show. Go to the show. <laughs> Just yeah. go to the damn show. Go to the show. Uh, go, go to the show. <laughs> A couple of old guys yelling at young people yeah. to go to the show. <laughs> go to the show. Just get out of your dang house and go, go to the show. God damn whippers. You know, we should start yeah. doing this podcast in the old man voices. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, well welcome to the accelerative <laughs> thrust. We are here. We're going to tell you about music and you're going to love it. You yeah. whippersnappers. Yeah. What do you mean? You never heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> what are you stupid? 
Yeah. <laughs> Go get some suicidal tendencies, yeah. you little dork. Yeah. I had to walk six miles to co-op <laughs> records to buy that suicidal EP. We used to have these things called balls. Yeah. And now you don't even have anything. Yeah. You get everything yeah. online. You won't even take the time to download it, you piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye, guys. Thank yeah. you for listening. You all have a great week. Whoa, is that really the end? No, I don't think so, but it oh, can okay. be. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm cool with it. <laughs> bye. <laughs> <laughs> no, but for real, though. Um, thank you all for listening. Uh, as always, Peace out. Bye. That was so anticlimactic.